Hello, I'm Rabbi Mark Gelman, and welcome to The God Squad, a podcast you can believe in. Today, we're talking about our second installment of Things We're Told Are True That Are Definitely Not True. And today's installment is, If You Have Your Health, You Have Everything. The first reason that the saying, If You Have Your Health, You Have Everything, is just not true, is that if it is true, then the opposite is true, which is that if you lose your health, you have nothing. And that is not only false, it's it's spiritually corrosive. It places upon people the double burden of both their illness and the despairing conclusion that their illness has taken away from them everything important. And that is much more than false. It's actually deeply cruel. Look, I know that the saying, if you have your health, you have everything, intends to be positive. It intends to say something like, you know, you should never want more than just your health because nothing we have is more important. I agree with that, of of course, that we should strive to live healthful lives and avoid the trans-fatty parts of the universe. But, you know, health is an evanescent thing affected by environmental and genetic and and even purely random factors. The fixation on health is unnecessary and often debilitating despair of sick people. That, that fixation on health is the only important thing, is, is just profoundly wrong. In my life so far, I've met many people who have refuted this saying. I'm thinking of Hank Viscardi and Pam Rothman particularly. May their memories be blessed. Born with uh, no legs below his knees and rejected by his parents, forced to grow up in a sanatorium, Hank Viscardi was sort of the Martin Luther King of Americans with disabilities. He was a driving force behind the 1990 Americans with Disabilities Act, and he was the founder of the Viscardi School and Center for Abilities in in Albertson. One day when Tom Hartman and I were visiting Hank, he said to us, you know, I never think of the people in this center as disabled, I just think of you guys as temporarily abled. It's a beautiful teaching, really. We should think of ourselves as temporarily abled. And that's the way it is. There's a sort of continuum of gradually decreasing ableness that we all experience from the time when we were children flying across lawns to get candy on Halloween to the time when we wake up, get out of bed and say, Oy, <laughs> that hurts. Nobody is disabled. We are all just temporarily abled. There's a story about the Ten Commandments that makes this point. When Moses broke the tablets bearing the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai. When he came down, he was angry because the people were worshiping the golden calf and he threw down the tablets and broke them 
into pieces. And then God asked Moses to go back up and get a new set. But the story, an interpretation of the verses in Exodus, is that God also commanded Moses to pick up all the pieces of the broken tablets and put them together in the same ark with the whole tablets. That's the teaching. The broken and the whole were together in the same ark. Luchot v'shivri luchot shnei ba'aron. It's a profound teaching. The broken and the whole were together in the same ark. That is the truth of us. We are together in the same ark, broken and whole. My father, Saul Gelman, had, uh, had Alzheimer's disease. And toward the end, before he entered the deep fog, when he remembered nothing, he grabbed me and kissed me on our last visit together. And he said this, this is what I know. I know that I belong to you, and I know that you belong to me. Even then, in the midst of his deepening Alzheimer's, my father still knew everything that was important to know. Pam Rothman was a, a congregant of mine, a friend. She died of cancer after a long struggle. And although she eventually lost her life, she never lost her smile. One day, sitting in her hospital room, Pam said to me, you know, Rabbi, I can't be the best of the best any longer, but I can still be the best of the worst. And oh, Pam, she was the best of the worst, the very best of the very worst. She helped other cancer patients cling to hope. She held her family together by her embracing love. And she read and wrote to the end. In the end, Pam was taken, but she was never defeated. And that is possible for all of us. We, it's not possible to avoid being taken. It's not possible to avoid death, but it is possible to avoid defeat. In fact, like Pam, many, many people throughout history find their greatest artistic, spiritual, and personal achievements come only after they're sick. Remember Stephen Hawking, the great theoretical physicist, who was taken by ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, couldn't move from his wheelchair. He spoke through a speech synthesizer, which was creepy in a way. But he had the best mind trapped in the worst body. And that fact did not dim, but brightened his brilliant light. Christopher Reeve was an okay actor. He was a great Superman. But he became a truly great inspirational force only after his uh, injury turned him into a quadriplegic. The greatest 
modern Jewish theologian was Franz Rosenzweig. Although he died in 1929, again from ALS, his illness did not diminish his brilliant translation of the Bible into German with his friend Martin Buber, nor his philosophical masterwork, The Star of Redemption, which he wrote by holding a pencil in his mouth and pointing to the keys on the typewriter. Hank and Pan, Stephen and Chris, Franz Rosenzweig, Helen Keller, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Kierkegaard, FDR, Beethoven, a thousand brave and wise and creative people whose bodies were broken or suffered disabilities or ill health have given everything to the world while millions of people who have their health have given nothing. How else can we understand God's decision to pick Moses, who was a disabled man? He had what in Hebrew is called a aralz fatayim. Not sure what that means, but it's generally interpreted as a cleft palate, maybe deformed lips, split lips. You see, God picks the soul, not the body. Through an endless list of wounded geniuses, we are taught, and we must finally learn that losing your health does not mean that you have lost your genius or your destiny. Much of my counseling is devoted to helping people cope with newly broken lives. Perhaps their life has been broken by injury or illness, or perhaps by the death or illness of someone they loved more than life itself. In all these cases, the people who come to see me know that they have lost a substantial part of their physical or mental health, and because they secretly believe this damn saying, if you have your health, you have everything, they think they've lost everything. And my job was to convince them that the saying is, is wrong. I tried to urge them, cajole them, teach them, and remind them that even in their weakened state, they still have everything they need to lead a spiritually, morally, and even physically happy life. They may not have what they had, but they have what they have. And as long as they are still alive, what they have is enough. They may not be able to do what they once did. They may have to adjust the expectations of their life. They do not have to surrender their life or the hope or their resolve to be the best they can be with what they still have left. And this is not a counsel of despair and resignation. It's a counsel of, of hope and faith. There are, of course, some things that if you don't have them, you really do have nothing. If you don't have love, you have nothing. If you don't have integrity, you have nothing. If you don't have friends, you have nothing. If you don't have people who need you, you have nothing. If you have no one to teach you, you have nothing. If you don't have freedom, you have nothing. We did not leave Egypt because we were unhealthy there. We had our health in Egypt, but we did not have our freedom. And so we had nothing. The reason health is not everything is that your health is about you, and everything really important in your life is about others. Serving others, loving others, and teaching others reveals our true purpose and our ultimate destiny. 
The rabbis wrote, o matuta, Give me community or give me death. Losing your health is a terrible thing, but losing a community of love and purpose is fatal. Our only chance to find everything is to get out of ourselves. I remember one of my students, Jacob, he had MS, but by diligent training and guts, he could ride a bike. One day he stopped into a local supermarket to get a bottle of water for his ride. He saw a homeless man who was dirty and smelly entered the store with a sack of cans and bottles to redeem. The manager of the store yelled at the homeless man and kicked him out of the store, not allowing him to cash in his metal and plastic treasure. The man weakly pleaded with the manager, saying he needed the money for food and that it was very hot outside. And could he please just redeem the cans and bottles and then he would leave. The manager still threw him out into the parking lot, scattering his aluminum and plastic treasure onto the hot asphalt. Jacob was watching this and immediately started helping the man pick up the cans and bottles and stuff them back into his torn plastic bag. Jacob then took them back into the store and redeemed them himself and brought the money back to the man who was sitting on the curb. Jacob then took the man with him to a pizza place in the mall. Jacob loved pizza. The owner of the pizza place also refused to allow the homeless man to enter the store. And so Jacob bought a whole pie and some garlic knots and a big salad and some soda. And the two of them sat under the shade of a tree near the parking lot, eating together. Jacob died the next week after riding his bike when it was just too hot. Jacob died just before his graduation from high school. Jacob died without ever being really healthy. He died without knowing what it was like to fall in love or hold his grandchild or live to a ripe old age. In those ways, Jacob was deprived. But in the ways that count for God, and I hope for us, Jacob had everything. I'm Rabbi Mark Gilman. Thanks for listening to The God Squad. The God Squad podcast is a production of the Mark Gelman Institute. You know, I know the guy. And this episode was produced by Matthew Siegel at Silicon Bowery. Until next time, you can find us on Google, Apple, Spotify, and many other fine podcast locations. I'd love to hear from you at Rabbi at GodSquadPodcast.com God bless us one and all